The next two Mishnahs bring two more drushas, two more things learnt from Psukim, which were taught and understood in the base of Medrash, on that day, which refers to the day that Rabbi Lozman Azariel became the Nossi, the head of the base then, instead of Raman Gamliel. And many more students came to the base of Medrash, and on that day, Rabbi Akiva learnt the following from the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that then Moshe and the Bnei Yisrael sang this song to Hashem. This is after the Jewish people crossed the sea. The Yamsuf after coming out of Mitzrayim, and now they're finally fully free from the Egyptians, and then they burst out in song, and the Pasuk adds, And they said, saying, and Moshe asks, the word lamer doesn't seem to be teaching us anything. It's true that the word lamer comes up many times in the Torah. For example, Vaidaber Hashem al Moshe Lamer, that Hashem said something to Moshe saying. But there, it always comes to teach that Moshe had to say it again to the Bnei Israel, that Hashem spoke it to Moshe, and then Moshe said it onwards to the Jewish people. But over here, it doesn't make any sense. Vayomu Lamer, they said, saying, what was repeated over here? What is the word Lema coming to teach us? Answers Rabbi Akiva, Malamid, it teaches us The Jewish people would answer after Moshe for each phrase. Similar to how they would read Halel. Meaning Moshe would say one phrase and then all of them would answer And throughout the Shira, Moshe would say the main phrase and the rest of the Bnei Israel would repeat the same thing over and over again. It wouldn't necessarily be throughout but it would be something like that, a phrase that they would repeat again and again, very similar to what their custom was when they recited Hallel. When they recited Hallel, it would also be like that. The Chazan would say each phrase of Hallel, and everybody else, after each phrase, they wouldn't say that phrase as well. They would just say one or two words, like Hallelujah, exclaiming their joy and their praise of Hashem. So in a similar fashion, that's how they said the Shira, the song, when they crossed the Yamsuf. Therefore, it says the word Lamer to hint to this fashion of singing. They read and recited the Shira in a similar way to how Shema is read. Not like they would read Halel. The way they would say Shema, at least in the times of the Mishnah, was that the Chazan would say the first Pasuk of Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad, and then everybody else would repeat that Pasuk. And then everybody, the Chazan and everybody else there, would say the rest of Shema together. And according to Menachemia, the same went for the Shira at the Yamsuf. Moshe said the first Pasuk, and then everybody else repeated that, and then they said the rest of it together. And the truth is, the Pasuk does seem to imply more like Menachemia, because it says, that they said, referring to all of Kal Yisrael, saying, and then it goes on to describe the entire Shira. So the simple reading of the Pesukim does imply that they all said everything, in a similar way to how Shema was said, rather than Hallel. Mishnah Hei, Bebayim, on that day that Rabbi Lozman Azariah became the Nasi, Darsh Rabbi Yishom and Hurkanus, Rabbi Yishom and Hurkanus learnt the following from Pesukim. Le'ovad Iyav es HaKadosh Baruch Hu Elo Me'avo. Iyav served Hashem out of love, which is a very high level of serving Hashem. He did it out of his awesome love towards Hashem. Sefer Iyav describes how Hashem tested Eov with many, many hardships and how exactly Eov responded, how he accepted the suffering. And Rabbi Shulman Hurkunus is saying that Eov served Hashem out of love. Shnema, as the Pesach says, Even if he, Hashem, will kill me, I will put my hope in him.
So the Pesach is saying that he didn't just serve Hashem out of fear that perhaps Hashem would kill him if he doesn't do so. But even if he kills me, I'll still put my hope in him. And my faith in Hashem is not dependent upon my life. However, interestingly, in that Pesach where it says, It's true that it is read like it appears in our Mishnah here, with the word loy spelt with a lamad and a vov. But the way it is written in the Tanakh is lamad aleph, which means not. This is known as a kri-kasiv, where the way that a word is written in the Torah is not the same as it is read. Now, if you translate the Pesach the way it is written, then it would mean quite the opposite. That if Hashem kills me, then I won't place my, help, my hope in him. And because of that, the Mishnah says, The matter is still left undecided, unclear. Still needs to be weighed up. Is Eov saying that he does continue to put his hope in him, in Hashem? Well, that I will not put my hope in him. Talmud Leimar, so the Pesach elsewhere teaches, Ad Until I die, I will not remove from myself my perfect faith. Meaning, even in my death, I will continue serving and loving Hashem, and having faith in Him, and we learn from them, that teaches that really Hashem, that Eov did serve Hashem out of love, as is implied by the way that the Pesach of Heinyik Tlein Lo'ayachel is read. Om Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, this is a different Rabbi Yeshua, not Rabbi Yeshua Menhurkanus. This is Rabbi Yeshua who was the Talmud of Amirchan Menzakai. And Rabbi Yeshua's Talmud was Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva's Talmud was Rabbi Yeshua Menhurkanus. So Rabbi Yeshua Menhurkanus's Rebbe's Rebbe was Rabbi Yeshua. And when he heard this drasha, he exclaimed, Mi egala oframeinecha. Who will reveal and remove the dust from your eyes of Menachem ben Zakkai? Menachem ben Zakkai had already died. Because you, Menachem ben Zakkai, would explain the Psukim your whole life. You learnt from Psukim that Eov only served Hashem out of fear, which is considered to be a lower level than serving Hashem out of love. You learnt that he served Hashem out of fear of punishment. Shenem, as the Pasuk says at the beginning of Sefer Eov, that Eov was Ishtam the Yashar, Yirei Eloikim the Sarmirah. He was a simple, that's what it means literally, and an upright, God-fearing man who strayed away from evil. He didn't do wicked acts. But you see that the way that the Tanakh um, describes him is Yireyelokim, that he feared Hashem, which is a lower level than to love Hashem. So you learned from there that Eov was on a lower level. Whereas now Yeshua, who is the student of your student, he's really the student of his student's student. He taught and learned from Sukkim that Eov served Hashem out of love. And if that is true, then how would he explain the Pasuk at the beginning of Eov that calls Eov someone who feared Hashem? The answer is, one can serve Hashem out of fear in two ways. You can fear the punishment. If I don't do this, then I might get punished. And Hashem will get angry at me. That is a lower level of serving Hashem. That's still a high level but it's relatively lower than doing it out of love. But there is another level of serving Hashem out of fear, which is possibly even greater than serving Hashem out of love. And that is a fear which is more of an awe of Hashem, where one is so afraid to destroy the relationship that he has with Hashem. He's afraid to do anything which might make him further from the source of everything from Hashem himself. So that is how we would explain that posuk of Yireh Kim that Eov um, feared and awed Hashem. For the first mission of the Masechter, Beliezer and Rabbi Yeshua argued as to how many witnesses are required for the stira. They both agree that for the Kinui, two witnesses are required to be there when the husband warns her not to be seen alone with 
a particular man. But once there has been proper kinui in front of witnesses, Rebeliezer holds that it is enough that even just one witness sees her be alone with him, whereas Reshua requires two witnesses. Now that Machloikas continues into our Mishnah now, Mishkin Ishtoi, somebody who gave his wife kinui in front of two witnesses, Venistera, and then she was alone with him, but there are no witnesses who saw her. Which literally means, even if he heard from a flying bird that she was alone with this man, he would need to divorce her and give her her kasuba, that is the opinion of Rebeliezer. Of course, we're not actually talking about where a bird delivered the message, but it means even if there is an invalid witness who saw the stira, for example, a slave, a non-Jewish slave is generally an invalid witness. But over here, since there, was, there were witnesses who witnessed the kinui, if anybody sees her being alone with this man, even if they are not a valid witness, the mere fact that the message gets given to the husband that someone saw her alone with this man is enough to allow him to give her the water to drink. And if he chooses not to give her the water, then he would be obligated to divorce her and give her her kasuba. We're talking about a case where the reason why she's not drinking it is because of him. He decides that he doesn't want her to drink it, and therefore he would need to give her the kasuba, since it's technically his fault that he is divorcing her. On the other hand, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, Rabbi Yeshua in the beginning of the Masechta said that two witnesses, who are valid witnesses, are required in order to make her drink the water, to turn her into a satyr. So Rabbi Yeshua certainly disagrees on Rabbi Yezer over here. However, Rabbi Yeshua does agree to an extent. Only if they are talking gossip about her by, moon, by the moon, meaning women who sit by the moonlight and gossip with each other, if they start talking about how she was alone with the man, once the news gets onto the street that she did indeed violate the kinui and she had stira, so once people are talking about this, this really does give an impression that she was alone with this man. Now, as soon as a woman has illegal relations with another man, she is forbidden to have relations with her real husband. So it's true that there's no proof, and according to the strict letter of the law, perhaps he is permitted to remain married to her, since it is very likely that indeed she did have relations with this man, and people are talking about it. So even according to Yeshua, he should really divorce her, but he would need to give her the kasuba since it is not proven, and witnesses did not come but so that he doesn't violate a prohibition of having illegal relations now with a woman who is obligated to divorce, they should divorce her. This having been said, according to Yeshua, this would certainly not be enough to allow her to drink the water. Only if there were two valid witnesses who saw the stira, says Yeshua, only then would she need to drink the water which a Saita drinks. Mishnah base. what happens if we have all of the necessary witnesses for the kinui and the stira? So the general procedure would be that the Saita goes to the base Amikdosh and drinks the water. What happens if after we've established that there was kinu and stira, Omar Eid Echad Aniri Siyoshanitmes? One witness said, he testified, that I saw her have the illegal relations. Not only did I see that she was alone with him, but I saw that she had the relations. Then she wouldn't drink the water. Not only that, but even a non-Jewish slave or a non-Jewish maidservant whose masters are Jewish, they are certainly invalid witnesses. They would be believed in this case, even to the extent that she would not receive her kasuba. Since there is already a lot of circumstantial evidence, and it's very likely that she did indeed have their illegal relations, so any person who testifies now would be believed, and she wouldn't even get the chance to drink the water, she would just need to be divorced and not receive her kasuba. As well as that, the Mishnah Yavonis 
teaches that although in general two witnesses are required, and it has to be two valid witnesses for most areas of halacha where witnesses are required, nevertheless there is a particular leniency which the Rabbanon said, and that is regarding testimony that a particular man died in order to allow his wife to be able to remarry. It could be that somebody went abroad and he died whilst he was abroad, but then there are no valid witnesses who saw him die. So according to the strict letter of the law, it should be that this woman would be forbidden to get married until she has witnesses that her husband died, and she might be left the rest of her life as an aguna, a woman who is stuck not being able to remarry due to the fact that there are no witnesses who can testify that her husband died. And because of that, the Rabbana were lenient, and they said that even a single witness, and even a regularly invalid witness, would be believed to allow her to remarry. However, there are five exceptions. That is Chamoisa, a woman's mother-in-law, Uvas Chamoisa, her mother-in-law's daughter, who is really her sister-in-law, Vitsarasa, another woman who was married to her same husband, at the time that people were married to more than one wife. Fourthly, Vivimta, that's her brother-in-law's wife, meaning her husband's brother's wife, and finally Uvaspala and her stepdaughter. These five women generally have quite a bad relationship. There is a possibility for a bad relationship with this woman, and therefore even though invalid witnesses are believed in such a case, these five women would not be believed to say that her husband died in order to allow her to remarry, because we suspect that they are perhaps making up the story in order to mess her life up in a way. That when her husband comes back and it emerges that he's really alive, the law would require her to get divorced from both her original husband and her new husband. And there are many other severe consequences which are listed in the Mishnayis in Yavomus. And so we wouldn't believe these people in case they are making up the story in order to lead to these consequences. However, in our case, after she has gone through Kinui and Stira, there is so much evidence that even these five women, they would be believed if they said that she, they saw her have relations whilst she was alone with this man, then she would not be able to drink the water and she would be, be divorced. However, the Mishnah says that when it comes to these five women, they are not believed to the extent that they would invalidate her from receiving her kasuba. She would receive her kasuba, however, their testimony would be believed enough that she would not be able to drink the water, rather she would need to be divorced.